opportunities to continue to bless him and continue to be connected to this extended family that you've given us. So Jesus, we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks thanks again, Josh. Would you give Josh another hand for sharing that? Oh, man. Josh was a huge blessing to us. He dog sat for us a week ago when we were out of town. And man, I feel bad for him. Our dog is kind of wild, but he did great. (laughs) Well, hey, today we are continuing on in our series in the book of Daniel. And if you can believe it, we have reached chapter 10. Um, So we've been in the book of Daniel for a long time. We've got just two weeks left. And as we've been in the last few chapters of Daniel, as it has shifted from the narrative to the apocalyptic, One of the main metaphors that I've been using to describe how these chapters work is as the big like split screen TV, right? Or the picture in picture TV where there's the main game that's taking place up above on the main screen. And then there are all these other little screens on the bottom where the other games are taking place. And so I've been doing a lot of this and a lot of this. And some of you have been doing this back to me at times. And I hope you know, I think you're hilarious. We just have a bunch of comedians in here. Um, But the whole idea is that all of these visions that God is giving Daniel are taking place and God is really unveiling to Daniel that while there are things happening on earth in these kind of earthly bottom screens, there's a bigger picture. There are more important things taking place in that heavenly screen, in the screen up above, where things like the Babylonian Empire is being taken over by the Medes and the Persians, and then the Medes and the Persians are taken over by the Greeks, and then by the Romans, and all these things are happening on earth, and it it seems like that's all that they could see. But God is pulling back the curtain and unveiling that there's actually another screen above that, that most people can't see, that there's more going on in the spiritual realm, that in heaven God is presiding over the world, he's in control of it all, he's judging it all, and he's sovereign over all of that. And so that's kind of the framework that we've been looking at. And today in Daniel chapter 10, one of the things that we're going to see is this is the last vision of the book. Essentially, this is going to be the last vision of the book. And the last three chapters are all essentially the same moment. Chapter 10, chapter 11, chapter 12 are really all the same moment, the same vision that's being discussed. And it's just spread out in three different chapters. And it's a vision of a great conflict, this great conflict, this tribulation, these wars that will run for generations. And really, it's a crazy vision. And we'll get more into that vision in chapters 11 and 12. But really, in chapter 10, the focus of this chapter is on the way that God comes and ministers to Daniel, the way Daniel responds to this, frankly, traumatic vision, and then what God does for Daniel in the face of that. And we're going to see a beautiful picture of gospel love in this chapter. And it's even in the midst of this chaotic vision that we see God come and love Daniel. And so I really like this chapter. This is a great chapter. I love that God shows how loving he is towards his servant Daniel, even in the face of this vision. And the thing is, the next two chapters aren't going to be quite as nice and quite as easy. Um, Chapter 10 is this great picture of God's love. Chapter 11, um, it gets straight to the vision. And it's pretty much just a straight recording of it. And it's this really intense, really heady, really detailed chapter of all these different things that are going to take place. It's basically like a really condensed history book all in one. And so since that chapter is really hard, uh, right after church today, I'm going to go on vacation and let Job take care of that. Um, (laughs) So Job will be able to teach on that next week. But 
Honestly, I'm going to need a week of vacation to come up with a good enough apology for him. So that's what I'll be doing next week. But honestly, he'll do great. Excited for that. But that's coming and it's going to be really difficult. And so today we get to just see, okay, well, this difficult vision has been giving to Daniel. What does that do to the guy? And what does God do in his life because of this? And so in chapter 10, what we're going to see is this, that as we've been discussing, the overarching idea in the book of Daniel is that despite all appearances, God is in control and he gives us what we need to be faithful in exile. And in chapter 10, specifically what we see is that when we are weak, God strengthens us with his love. We're going to look at how God has strengthened Daniel in this case, how God has expressed his love to Daniel in the face of this vision. And we're going to see how God works and how God ministers through his words, his actions, and his presence here. And so if you're there, are you ready? You have Daniel chapter 10 open. We're going to start in verse 1, and we'll go to verse 9. And then we'll take a quick pause as we begin this chapter. So Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen, with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. And his body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. And then I heard him speaking, and as I listened, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. Okay, so who is this guy? This guy that appears to him wearing linen with apparently beautifully burnished bronze skin, right? Any ideas? Any ideas who he is? Not hey, Okay, there's a good churchy answer. Let's see. Okay, well, so there's another description of someone that sounds very, very similar to this in Revelation chapter 1. And I think this kind of gives us a hint of who this might be in Daniel chapter 10. So Revelation chapter 1 says this, And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. We talked about that name a few weeks ago. Dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Some overlap, right? Okay. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and Hades. Okay, is that a better hint? Who is this guy? 
Jesus, right? Who's the one who was dead and now alive forever and ever? It's Jesus. And so who appears to Daniel in the middle of his mourning here? Who appears to him and and sends a messenger angel to him to strengthen him? Well, it's Jesus. This This man was likely Jesus. And so what this account is, is what is called a theophany or a Christophany, right? Meaning that it was an appearance of Jesus on earth before Jesus was supposed to even have been born yet, before the virgin birth. And as Dr. Andrew Benar once expressed it, a Christophany is Jesus trying on the garments of his humanity a little in advance of his time. And throughout the Old Testament, there are some examples of this where these mysterious figures that seem to be revealed in the New Testament as Jesus before he was actually born were appearing. And it's Jesus who comes and appears to Daniel, to this prophet who was wiped out by this intense vision, who was stuck in mourning because of the trauma of what he saw. And Jesus comes and appears to him. And he appears to him, essentially, as we keep reading, to show him who's in control and essentially to minister to him and to display God's love. And then he's going to send a messenger angel to explain and to be with Daniel as well. Now you, at this point, we've been 10 weeks into Daniel, and you probably know Daniel pretty well at this point, Um, especially if you've been listening to our podcast, you probably know Daniel too well, right? We've taken a deep, deep dive into some of those details. And what we know about Daniel is that he's a spiritual giant. He's amazing. There's like very little recording of Daniel making any mistakes or sinning, but he just keeps following God in so many amazing ways. And he was a guy who was ripped from his homeland and planted in Babylon where he was forced to work for the very government that had come in and destroyed his hometown, but yet he was still faithful. And he was a guy who was, was pressured to compromise a lot and to eat the king's meat and drink the king's wine and, and to stop praying when that became illegal. And, and he didn't eat the meat or drink the wine and he didn't stop praying and, and he never compromised. And he was amazing and he seemed to have this amazing faith and be an amazing follower of God. But yet, even when Daniel is exposed to these truths and sees this vision, he's overwhelmed. Overwhelmed to the point that he passes out and he can't even handle it. And Daniel was a giant in faith, right? He had just about as strong of a faith as anyone could ever have. He has the kind of faith that we should all want, that I want. He had basically reached it. But yet, his strong faith didn't keep him from being broken down by this. It didn't keep him from turning to mourning when he saw all of this. And the thing is, I think, it's not that he was too weak to handle that, but it was actually his closeness with God. It was actually the strength of his faith that I think led to him being so beaten down and drawn down by this vision, right? For someone like Daniel, who was so close to God and whose heart was so shaped by God, to see a vision of war and of suffering and and of God's people being destroyed— if his heart has been thoroughly shaped by God's heart, well, then he's going to react very similar to God, and that's his heart was broken, right? Now, all of Daniel's faithfulness led to this strong faith, but faith is broken down by these sort of things. Or not faith is broken down, but, but he was hurt, and he was sad, and that's kind of the result of a strong faith, essentially. Because as we remember, we talked about it a long time ago, but faith isn't a muscle, right? Faith isn't a muscle that you just use to hold things up Faith works more like a lens, a lens to see clearly, to see the world clearly, to see God clearly, 
to see what maybe others can't see. And so a strong faith is a strong lens. And if a strong lens sees these visions of people suffering and dying, well then, a heart that's close to God is, of course, broken down by that. Of course, hurt. And I first start here because I think as we get into the rest of this chapter and as we look at receiving God's love and understanding God's love, I think it has to start here. Um, I think it has to start with the reality that, you know, not everyone can accept God's love, but God's love has to be accepted. And so I start with this disclaimer. Um, I don't think anything says I love you quite like a disclaimer. And so that's where we start, that, that God's love must be accepted, right? It must be received. And many people aren't in a posture to receive God's love or in a posture to understand God's love, right? There are many people who have been told God loves you while at the same time and out of the same breath from a same person, they've been cursed or they've been hurt. Or maybe they've then been told that God doesn't love them. And so there are a lot of people with hardened hearts to God's heart or in postures where they can't quite receive it. And then there are probably a lot of even people in this room who we've just become so familiar with hearing that. God loves you. God loves you. Jesus loves me. This I know. It's just kind of become old news. It doesn't really stir us to anything. And our hearts are hardened in that way as well, where it doesn't really move us to anything. We feel like we have this strong, weighty faith. um, But then when we see the things that God cares about, it doesn't really move us very much because our heart is also pretty hardened. And we've become kind of jaded or numb. And I think... The point that Daniel is moved to here is the softened heart, where he sees these things, but he has a heart that's soft enough to receive it. Now, it was just two weeks ago, myself and the Faltinskis and a few others and a few thousand other pastors and missionaries from the Alliance were together in Nashville at what's called the General Council. It's the most boring name ever. And and it's basically like a big church camp for pastors and missionaries. But in the middle of the day, we also have these business meetings where One of the items on the agendas is that we're adjusting the CMA statement of faith and we're going through all this legalese of of reading these statements and and discussing these things. And basically, it's like a really, really boring meeting where we have to follow Robert's rules and discuss all the legalese and talk about what we believe. But the guy who's the secretary of the board that was presenting the statement of faith, a guy named Marco Requena, he's a pastor from Alabama, Um, He was reading through these statements, and and when he came to the statement on what happens to a person who doesn't believe in Jesus, he got choked up and, like, had to read the rest of the statement through tears. And that was just, like, a huge wake-up call to myself, who I think just can go through the motions so much and can just see these statements basically from the down-here screens and be like, yeah, they're just theological statements, they're just things you believe. And the way he read it, choking through his words with tears was a great reminder of of what a softened heart actually looks like of, of where daniel was at this point when he saw this reality if this is what we truly believe of what happens to a person who doesn't believe in jesus yeah that's the response like we shouldn't just be able to read these things and move on get on with business i think it should kind of break us down a bit and this is really how daniel responds here daniel responds to this vision that he sees with a softened heart. And that's the heart that can receive God's love. And so as we keep reading here, this is the posture that Daniel is coming into this with, with a softened heart, open to receive God's love. 
So if we keep reading here, this is after God sends an angel to strengthen Daniel and, and to, to be there with him. And so in chapter 10, remember Daniel's passed out from seeing this vision. He's been mourning for three weeks. And then this happens in, in verse 10. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. And then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. And now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. And so this, this hand has touched Daniel, has picked him up off the ground, set him on his hands and knees, and it's an angel, it's a spiritual being who's a messenger from God. And I, I think it's kind of funny that even angels have to make excuses when they're late to work, right? He's like, ah, sorry, I was tangled up. But this is apparently something that happens. We remember that angels are not omnipresent. They can't be in multiple places at one time like God. Apparently, they can get hung up. And so this angel finally gets to Daniel and delivers this important message. And he says, while he was saying this to me, I bowed my face to the ground and was speechless, right? Which is probably good. You don't want to interrupt angels, especially after they were just doing battle with Persian demons. So Daniel's speechless, face down. And then one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the, vi- the vision, my Lord, and I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed, he said. Peace, be strong now, be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. And so he said, Do you know why I have come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia, and when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one supports me against them except Michael, your prince. And then he will give the vision in the next chapter. And so in this chapter, we don't really get the vision. And we just get God preparing Daniel, strengthening him to understand this vision. And so I want to focus on how God does this, how God strengthens Daniel, how God encourages Daniel. And the way that God does it is by displaying his love, by loving Daniel. And I think he does this in three ways. He does it through his words, his actions, and his presence. And I would turn that into an acronym that you could remember, but I think it'd be really inappropriate. And so God strengthens him with words, actions, and presence. And he starts out with strengthening him with words. And he gives him this encouraging message, right? It's only when this man, this angel, tells him, you who are highly esteemed, that Daniel regains his strength. You who are highly esteemed. And this isn't just like a passing comment. This isn't just like a weird little idiom. And honestly, you who are highly esteemed is kind of a rough translation. I think the NIV has taken all the emotion out of this. Um, This chapter was written in Hebrew, and the word that was spoken to Daniel doesn't just mean God esteems you. It literally means you who are precious to God. It means you're precious to God. And a lot of English translations, like if you might have the ESV, then here it says, Daniel man greatly loved. 
I think greatly loved is probably a better translation of that here than just highly esteemed. And if you were to read the Greek Old Testament, the one that the disciples um, would have had access to, then the word that is recorded here is the same word that's spoken to Mary when she's told that she's going to give birth to the Messiah, and it means beloved, you who are beloved, not just highly esteemed, right? Challenge for you guys, you can tell your wives or your husbands or your family members this week, tell them that they're highly esteemed and just see the reaction that they have, right? It's probably not going to be the same as if you tell them, you're precious to me, I love you, right? You are highly esteemed. If, hey, if that, if that speaks to you and good for you, that's great. Maybe, maybe your husband or wife will love that. Um, but this is how God wants this message to Daniel to begin. Before Daniel can receive this vision, before Daniel can be strengthened, he has to understand this great spiritual truth. God wants Daniel to understand that he is loved, that he is precious to him, that he's beloved. And this, even though this truth and this vision is really traumatic to Daniel, in order for Daniel to move forward and receive this vision, he has to understand and has to be reassured with God's love. And frankly, this is something that we have to understand today as well, right? Before we get into the truths of Scripture, before we get into understanding the work of God, frankly, it has to, under, it has to start with an understanding of God's love. It has to start with an understanding that we are beloved, we are precious to God. And this isn't just like a cute little romantic thought that God's given us. Like, this is a deep spiritual truth, that we are beloved and precious to God. And God communicates this over and over in Scripture. He tells us over and over with words that he loves us. And frankly, that's kind of the same way we communicate, right? If, you, if someone tells you they love you, that's a good indicator that they love you. Most people don't just go around saying that. I know some do. Like I had a, uh, I had a friend suggest that I go listen to this pastor that they had been listening to a lot. And, oh, he's great. Go listen to one of his sermons. And so I was like, okay, I'll just check it out. And at the start of the church service during their awkward social interaction time, he instructed everyone, turn to the person on your right and tell them you love them. Then turn to the person on your left and tell them you're in love with them too. And I just thought, that's a little weird. I don't know. <laughs> that's too far. You know, I think we're happy with awkward handshakes and good for yous, right? You know, I don't think you have to go so far as tell everyone you're in love with them. Because we understand that's kind of a big thing to say. It's like the first time I ever told Lena that I loved her, I basically said it as fast as I possibly could and then ran away, got in my car, and drove off before she could <laughs> say it back, you know? <laughs> so I don't know if she responded to it or not, but I got out of there. Because for me, that was a big deal. It was a big deal to say that. And for me to say that, I meant it. I mean, I love you. And so when someone says they love you, that's usually a pretty good indicator that they do, right? We use words to communicate that. And God has said this over and over and over in the Bible. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness, he says through Jeremiah. As a groom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you says Isaiah. The psalmist writes in 103.11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And then Jesus, of course, told John in John chapter 15 that as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And we could keep going all day long with verse after verse of God proclaiming his love for his people. And God says it over and over again. And Daniel heard these words, you are precious. You are loved. 
And that's a good indicator, I would say, that God is trying to say, I love you. And that's the first way that God strengthens Daniel here, by just telling him, I love you. And so there's a pretty easy application to this point. If we're going to look at, okay, well, how does this change your life? How do we follow God in light of this? The first one, I would say, read and reflect on God's love for you. Um, When it comes to understanding spiritual truths, it has to start from this place. It has to start from this place of understanding God's love for you. And the way that God has communicated that is through his words in the Bible. And so read and reflect on those. If you just do a quick Google search of verses about God's love, guess what? You're going to have verses for days about that because God has said it over and over. And then that's the upward application. An outward one is, hey, tell someone they're highly esteemed, right? Or maybe don't. Tell someone you love them, right? Right? Tell someone. Speak love to someone. Speak encouragement to someone. Tell someone that God loves them without having to hold that curse at the same time. If they're not a person that you could say you love, just tell them you like them. That's still good. It's still encouraging. That's still a way to express and display God's love, right? But speak love through words this week, just as God did for Daniel. But God doesn't end there. In this chapter, we see that God also displays his love through his actions, right? And I know some of you might come from families that maybe never said the words, I love you very much. You know, there are a lot of families where people share like, yeah, I never really heard I love you a lot growing up. Instead, I knew that I was loved because I got picked on or teased or whatever. And that's probably a love language for some. (laughs) That's probably a way some people communicate love. Or it might be emotional immaturity and unhealth, but what do I know? I don't know. Um, (laughs) But some say that actions speak louder than words, right? And I think they do go hand in hand. That the people who, who help you and who do things for you, the people who pick you up from the airport or who dog sit your dog or who, you know, help you move. Like, that's love. That person loves you. If they're willing to, like, give up a Saturday and help you move, that's love. That's pretty intense. And actions mean a lot. And here in this passage, God didn't just send an angel to speak these words, to communicate his love, and then he's out. He actually helped him And he actually, the angel touched Daniel three different times and was helping him, right? He was on the ground and the angel picked him up. He couldn't say anything and the angel touched his lips, right? He was actually helping him instead of just communicating this. He didn't just leave Daniel face down in the dust. He comes, helps him at least to his knees, and then says, hey, you can stand up, right? And this is significant because Daniel needed help at this time. He needed help. And I think it's significant that he told him he can stand up because at this time, I'm sure Daniel needed to hear those words. I'm sure Daniel thought, well, in the face of this angel, in the face of this vision, I don't deserve to be standing before you and receiving this message. I should just be crumpled up on the ground, uh, hiding my face, not looking at you, not receiving this vision. And I'm sure at this point, even though Daniel was a giant in faith, in the presence of Jesus standing on the riverbank and and an angel before him, I'm sure at this time he felt very, very Babylonian and not very Jewish, right? I'm sure all of the times when he knew he compromised his faith, I'm sure all the times when he knew he didn't follow God well enough were all of a sudden boiling up in him and, and he's like, no, I can't stand up. I'm not worthy of this. I shouldn't be the one to keep receiving these visions. But yet the angel comes and essentially gives him dignity by saying, stand up. You can stand before me. You are precious to God and you can receive this vision. And our God comes and lifts him up. And frankly, this is, I mean, the gospel, right? 
that when we are down, God comes and lifts us up. He comes and says, well, you can stand before me. You can stand up straight. And he says, when you're crumpled up on the floor and you feel really guilty and really Babylonian, I have come and I've said, no, you can stand before me. And he gives that dignity. And he helps him. He helps him. And that's a major way that we're called to express God's love to the world today, right? By helping. By giving others dignity. Now, back when I was in high school, our our high school youth group at our church, we were tasked with coming up with some kind of charity, come up with something, some kind of cause that we could do. And what we came up with, as high schoolers do, is this provocative little idea of this clothing company called Give a Shirt. And it is now, it's now dead. Um, but the whole idea of Give a Shirt was that we would sell clothes, and then we would use those clothes to clothe other high schoolers who were struggling to clothe themselves in our own city. We had a huge population of homeless youth in our city. And so the whole cause of this was to provide them clothes. And um, the girl in our youth group who came up with this idea had this great presentation. Um, when we went and we presented this to basically like all the rich people in our church who were going to fund it. And she goes up before all of them and, and she reads off the statistics of how many homeless youth lived in our city. And then she flat out said to all these like important, powerful people in our church, and a bunch of you don't give a shirt. And the room was silent. And then she said, more of you are upset that I swore than that there are this many homeless youth in our city. And all of us were in the background like, yeah, she did it, like, got him. And it was very provocative and very intense, but that drove the point home. And it's now dead and defunct, but we had these great opportunities to give high schoolers clothes that they felt good about wearing, to give them dignity when they feel like, oh, I can actually stand up and go to a job interview, or I can actually look nice at school, and, and to be able to have that dignity went a long ways. And it was a small, practical way of helping. It didn't change that many of their circumstances, but what are a bunch of high school kids going to do other than just give some dignity, just give some confidence in that way? And we were able to do that. And this is essentially what what the angel does for Daniel here. But of course, in loving through actions, none of those examples are even close to as profound as what Jesus has done for us, right? Jesus said, "No, there's no greater love than to lay your life down for a friend. And what did he do? He laid his life down for us, right? And Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5, said, God shows his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so if you want to know that God loves you, you can look no further than his actions, than the fact that Jesus died on the cross for you. Everything he did, everything he said was an expression of his love. And now while we were crumpled up on the floor, Jesus said, well, guess what? I'm going to help you up. And he loved us. And we've been strengthened by this. That God has loved us through his actions. And just like he lifted Daniel up, touched him, gave him help, gave him dignity, we've been given the same in Christ. We've been given that in Christ. Some applications here. The first one is just to practice gratitude. Thank God for that. Would you be grateful for all the work that God has done? Not only in the cross, but, but in all the little ways. Josh gave a great testimony today of all the small little things that God has done in his life over the last season the places where he couldn't see God working, but now he seems to see it. 
And I don't know if you've ever like kept track of what God does for you or if you keep track of your prayers, but maybe that's a good place to start as you look to be more grateful and practice gratitude of, hey, write down the things you're praying for. And then you can look back and be like, oh, wow, yeah, God is actually doing things. God is actually working. And practice gratitude. Actually see where God is working on your behalf. And then easy outward application. Help someone, right? Do something for someone else. Display God's love through your actions. I know that so many of you are just gifted in serving others and in hospitality, and and that just seems to be the way that you serve best is helping others. And I don't think I need to give you too many examples of how you can do this. But just look for those places where you could help someone, where you could display and express Christ's love through your actions. So that's actions. God showed Daniel he loved him through his actions. And then the last one is that God showed Daniel that he loves him through his presence, right? With his vision, God didn't just give it to Daniel and then leave. Or he didn't just give it to Daniel in a dream where Daniel was then going to just be stuck alone in his bedroom processing this in the middle of the night. Jesus doesn't leave him alone. He appears as this linen-wearing, bronze-skinned man near the river. And Jesus wasn't even born yet, but he still found time to go visit his friend, right? That's a big deal. (laughs) That's a friend. And not only that, but then he sent angels to minister to Daniel as well, to explain this vision to give him supernatural understanding so that he wasn't just alone to figure this out. And this is who Jesus really is. He's the God who's with us. He doesn't just give this and say, okay, it's yours now, figure it out. He shows up to remind Daniel he's not alone there. He sends an angel so that Daniel doesn't just have to figure all this out on his own, but he gives him his presence. And this is, frankly, a summary of the whole Bible, right? That when we were stuck with basically a task that we could not accomplish on our own, God didn't leave us alone, right? That Jesus came to us. That we didn't have enough strength. We didn't have the spiritual insight. And then Jesus came and reached down to us and did that for us. And as cool as it is for God to send an angel to Daniel, um, honestly, we have it even better. In verse 12, Uh, The angel is explaining why he was late, right? And he says that from the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But it took him 21 days. We don't have to wait that long. We don't have to wait for shipping quite like that. And the reality is that we don't just get a messenger angel to come to us, that we get God's actual presence. And that is a big deal. You know, it was actually a claim to fame for the angels that they were allowed in God's presence. There are only two named angels in the Bible, Michael, who's named here, and Gabriel, who some think this could have been, um, but Gabriel is the one who appeared to John the Baptist's dad to tell him about all that. And when he appears to John the Baptist's dad, Gabriel's introduction is this. He says, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And that's great. That's super cool. Good for you. That is amazing. Because back in those days, no one was allowed in God's presence, right? You had to go on a pilgrimage to the temple, and then only the high priest was allowed in the Holy of Holies to actually be in God's presence. And so it was a big deal, and it was a claim to fame for these angels to be the ones who are in God's presence. And then Pentecost happened, right? And then God 
fulfilled Jesus' promise that I will be with you always to the end of the age. And Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell, is a celebration of God's presence in our lives, of the fact that we have God's actual presence inside of us, that we are these mobile temples, as we talked about before, that we don't have to take a pilgrimage to get to the temple, that we don't have to be the high priest because now we're a royal priesthood, and we are allowed in God's presence, and we're given that. And Emmanuel, God with us, is still God with us. And this is, frankly, the gospel message, right? That God came to us. And out of a tremendous act of love, Jesus comes to us, and he's with us. And we have his presence forever. And I think many of us know that there's an aspect of someone's presence that communicates love in a way that nothing else really can. You know, when, say, we're down and wiped out by the world, just like Daniel was here, sometimes we don't need anyone to come speak to us and, and tell us a bunch of words. We don't necessarily need a lot of help, but we just need someone to show up. And we just need someone to be there with us and, and their presence with us reminds us that we're not alone and it reminds us of God's presence in our lives. And we can feel comfortable and safe in that and presence really communicates that love. It communicates that love in a powerful way. And if you've ever played sports or been involved in music or drama or whatever it is, when, when people show up for you, it communicates love. You know, that they're willing to come and watch you play violin or whatever it is that you did. It means a lot when people show up. It communicates love in a powerful way. Has anyone ever watched the show The Office? That classic show. No greater example of love than when you watch The Office. Okay, but there's an, there's an episode. Hear me out. There's an episode of The Office where Pam is displaying some of her artwork at a local art gallery, right? She's really excited about it. She invited the whole office, and then no one shows up. And if you remember this episode, Aaron remembers it. If you remember this episode, the art gallery is like winding down. It's about to close, and she sees all the other artists in there like thanking their friends and family for coming and thanking them for being there, and still no one showed up for her. So she just starts like taking the artwork down. She's really upset and disappointed. And then Michael shows up. Michael shows up and is really encouraging about it. And if you've ever watched the show, you'll know that Pam doesn't actually like Michael. Michael is literally the worst. He's the worst boss ever. He's always rude to her and always saying offensive things and just treats her really poorly. But as much as Pam hates Michael, the fact that he showed up here, it was huge. And she literally, through tears, embraces him and thanks him for being there and thanks him for his presence because just the fact that he showed up and was present, that just communicates love in a way that only presence can. And this is what God did for Daniel in this case. When Daniel is stuck with this vision, he shows up. He shows up and he's there. So the application for this, when it comes to the upward and pointing to God, we can remember that we're never alone, right? That God's presence is with us that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, that he has promised to be with us always till the end of the age. And we can be encouraged by his presence. And frankly, we can act like he's there, I think. You don't have to just talk about him like he's somewhere else, but he is actually there. He is here. And then, of course, if we're going to look for an outward application, we can be there for someone else. We can show up for someone. If you know someone who is struggling, who might be down and wiped out, well, you can show up for them. Or 
even if you don't know what's going on in their life, if they have invited you to something, if they've invited you, or if they have some kind of thing that they would like people at, would you show up there and would you communicate God's love and display God's love through your presence there? Because that communicates it in a way that only your presence can. So those, those are the ways that God ministered to Daniel here. That when Daniel is, is really down and he's going to receive an explanation of this intense vision that has traumatized him and beat him up, God doesn't just leave him alone. God comes and tells him, okay, before you can understand this, first you have to understand that I love you. I'm not just doing this to traumatize you. And then he helps him. He says, okay, I'm actually going to provide some understanding. I'm not just going to leave you down in the dust. And he helps him up. And then he's there with him the whole time. He's there with him to explain the dream. He's there with him to be present as Daniel struggles with him. And this is how God continues to minister to us. And this is one of the big ways that we are called to minister to the world as well. So that's Daniel chapter 10. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Well, Father God, um, we just thank you. We thank you for for loving us. And and for those of us who have have heard these words so much, would you never let us become jaded or used to hearing it? We know how significant it is that the God of the universe has said over and over to us that you love us. And God, would you just help us to reflect and remember that this next week? And God, we thank you for, for the many ways that you've helped us, that on the cross, Jesus dying for us has made a way for us to stand before you and to, to be your people. And we couldn't have done that without your help. And we just recognize our weakness. We recognize how beaten down we are and how much we desperately need your help. And God, we thank you that you're in the room today, that you've promised wherever two or more of us are gathered that you are there in our midst. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit's dwelling within our hearts and that we will never be alone, that your presence is with us everywhere. And we just have so much to be thankful for, God. And we thank you for speaking to us through your word um, in these crazy stories of the stuff that you did in Daniel's life. We just thank you for making it clear to us and, and revealing your love to us in that. Jesus, it's our desire to display that love to the world. And so we ask for your help. Just as you touched Daniel's lips and helped him to speak, um, would you do that for us? Would you just touch each and every person in this room's lips in a way that that empowers them to speak your love to the world? God, that's the people we know you're calling us to be. Um, But we need your help. So Jesus, we just thank you for this time. And we commit to worshiping you and being people who, who receive and display your love. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.